One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. If you're just joining us as a guest today, you've come on a good Sunday uh, because we are uh, just beginning a vision series, actually started last week, uh, that's setting the kind of the course for where we're going throughout 2020. And how many of you know if there's ever a year to have vision, it's 2020? Amen. And uh, so we've been talking about what's the vision that God has given to us. And uh, before we get into that, I'm going to give away, we have uh, a couple of t-shirts because nothing says vision quite like a t-shirt, okay? And so we've got some t-shirts out there. Uh, I've got a size small. I'm going to give away a couple right here. Size small. Uh, Maru, first hand in the air. There you go. All right, we've got another one. Let's see what size we got here. We got a medium, 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 all the way back there in the back. Anders, would you run this all the way back to the back? You got to run too. Run, run, run. Okay, all the way back there. There's three people there that may be fighting over it, okay? But uh, anyway, we have those t-shirts on your way out. I encourage you to grab one of those t-shirts, and that would be awesome. Well, if you have your Bible today, why don't you grab it with me and turn to the book of Genesis The book of Genesis, if you're new to the Bible, just open to page one, okay? And uh, that's a good place to start. And we are in this series uh, that we are really exploring the idea of what would happen if a bunch of people became serious, like radically serious about following Jesus. Or let me say it this way, Uh, what if a group of people, say 120 people, uh, devoted their lives, and, and uh, not just to be believers in Jesus, but to reorienting their lives around following Jesus. What would happen? And, and in fact, we don't have to wonder. The Bible tells us the story of what happens that the kingdom of God breaks out on earth. In other words, when people get serious about following Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, that there is a little bit of heaven on earth earth. Anybody, you're like, sign me up for that. I want that. The other option is not very appealing, so let's go with the heaven part, okay? And so that's what we are longing for in 2020. God, would you move in us? Would you move in my life? Would you move in my home? Would you move in my community to manifest what Jesus called the kingdom of God on earth? And so last week we talked about uh, living with vision, out of Genesis chapter 3, and, and I encouraged you with the statement that God said to Abram when he said, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Look from the place that you're at. And, and I believe this, that if there's any people in the world that should be filled with vision, it should be followers of Jesus. Why? Because vision is, is not just about some creative idea. Vision is really an expression of faith. And so when God comes into our lives, he'll always bring vision for our future. And so last week we talked about vision, and I I shared with you kind of this three-part strategy out of Genesis 128 that's helping to guide our our plans. And, And it says this, Genesis 128 says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful or increase and multiply Fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, rule over the earth. 
God's original intention was not for people just to populate heaven. It was for heaven to populate earth. And here in Genesis 128, God gives his instructions of how that happens to Adam and Eve. And he says, I want you to increase, I want you to multiply, and I want you to fill the earth. In other words, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's not just about you. You didn't say one person believed that. The rest of us, feel free to go sit by that wonderful person over there. Okay? Let me say that again. If you are a follower of Jesus, what God does in your life is never just about me, myself, and I. It's about increase. It's about multiply. And it's about filling the earth. And so God's calling us to look beyond ourselves. And we talked about having a vision, even as a church, a vision beyond ourselves, a vision for people that are not yet a part of our community. We don't want to be a church that just exists for those that are already in relationship with Jesus. We want to be a church that, that loves people that are far from God, that, that's always looking to people that are far off. Because we were those people at one point in time. And so I, I want to talk now about, as we've talked about kingdom vision today, if you're taking notes, you can just title this message Kingdom Strategy. Kingdom Strategy. If God calls us to look and have vision beyond ourselves, the question is, what are we doing? What, how do we actually fill the earth, increase, multiply, and fill the earth. And I want to draw your attention to a little phrase that we read in that verse that we just read over that actually is the crux of everything that follows. In Genesis 1.28, everybody look at it. It says this, then God blessed them and said to them, increase, multiply, fill the earth. In other words, the increase, the multiply, filling the earth, the vision always flows out of the blessing. And I, I love this passage of scripture because this is the very first experience of mankind on the earth. This is the moment that God breathed life into humanity, which is the breath of life that sustains you and I today. And Adam, as he opened his eyes and experienced life for the first time, what was his first experience? It was being blessed. Now, you may hear that word and you may think that's just kind of religious jargon. That's just kind of nice, uh, you know, spiritual language. But I, I want you to understand that blessing is really central to what it means to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, I would say this, that the, the whole message of the gospel could be summed up in that word blessing. Blessing. That, that is the projection of God's goodness into our lives. I, I don't know about you, but I want that. Right? Anybody else you're with me, you're like, I could use more of that. 2020 blessing, bring it on, right? God's goodness. God's goodness. And, and here's what I want you to understand is that this has always been God's strategy to transform the world. We talked last fall about milk and honey and understanding that salvation is bringing us out of bondage and into blessing. 
But the blessing is never just about us. This has always been God's strategy to transform the world. And so what I want to propose to you today as we talk about increase, multiply, and fill the earth, I want to propose to you today that God's strategy is a blessing strategy. That God's strategy and his way to reach and restore the world has always been through blessing. Always through finding a person or a group of people that he could project his blessing, his goodness on. Not because they're so good, but because he's so good, he's just radiating, he's just projecting his goodness onto his creation. And so God's plan has always been to have a person or a group of people that would be recipients of his blessing, that he would project his blessing on, but that they would then in turn become reflectors of the blessing to the world. That would, would have been a good time to say amen. That just as God has put his goodness onto you, that it is not just for you to become a spiritual black hole, but that you are to be you, you, you are to reflect. Anybody see the moon last night? Yeah. That full, shining moon? You, if you did not see it, you missed it. It was a, a beautiful moon. But how, how was that moon shining? That moon wasn't shining because it has light in itself. It was shining because it was reflecting the, the light of the sun. And God calls every single one of us, when he blesses us, when he puts his goodness on our lives, it's always so that we would reflect his goodness to the world around us. This is his pattern throughout all of scripture is a blessing strategy. In fact, let's look at a couple of scriptures in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, I think we have it to put up on the screen. And this is the prototype of a kingdom person, God speaking to Abram. We talked about it last week in Genesis chapter 12. Listen to what God says to him. He says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In who? In Abram or Abraham. In other words, I'm going to put my blessing on you and I'm going to use you to distribute the blessing to everybody else. Now what happens if the person who's the recipient of it does not become the reflector of it? Welcome to 2020, right? The world that we live in today. But the Bible says this in, in uh, the scripture says that Jesus came as the son of Abraham and that he became cursed so that the whole world through Jesus could become blessed. And I love how Luke writes the final account of Jesus' final moments on the earth in Luke chapter 24, verse 50. Have you ever wondered, what was it like in the moment that Jesus ascended back up to heaven? How many of you would have liked to have been there at that moment? Like, that would have been a pretty cool moment to see this moment that Jesus ascended. And Luke actually tells us what happened in Luke chapter 24, in verse 50, he says this, that Jesus led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands 
and blessed them. He, he spoke the goodness of God over them. He projected that favor, that loving kindness onto them. Like David says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. So Luke tells us what that moment was like. Jesus lifted up his hands and he says, I bless you. I bless you. Peter, I bless you. John, I bless you. And while he's blessing them, he begins to ascend into heaven. I don't know exactly what that moment was like. Perhaps he was, even as he was disappearing, it was, I bless you, 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 as he disappeared <laughs> into the sky. I, I don't know, but Luke tells us here, listen to this, that Mankind's first experience was being blessed by God and Jesus's last act prior to leaving the earth was blessing his disciples. What I'm trying to show you today is that God is all about blessing. I almost said he's all about that blessing, but that would have been a joke from a few years ago. So he's all about blessing. It, it, let me say it this way that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are intended to be the storefront window of the kingdom of God. Let me explain what I mean. Have you ever walked past a store or maybe a restaurant and you just look at what's happening in there and you're like, I got to get in there. Maybe it's a restaurant that just has the perfect lighting, the perfect ambiance, you don't even know what they're serving. You don't even know what the food is, but there is something that is magnetic that is drawing you into that place. Who's, who knows what I'm talking about? That's what we are meant to be. The church is intended to be the storefront window into the kingdom of God. That the world around us, people that pass by us every day, would look at our lives and they would be drawn into the kingdom of God. They would be drawn into the, the life that God promises to every single one of us. This is the call that God has for us as a church that when people look at us, they may go, I don't even, I don't even like what they believe, but I'm just drawn to them. Why? Because there's something about them. There's, it's that good life that blessing produces in our lives that draws other people in. That when they look at you, they say, I, I don't believe what they believe, but they've got something right happening in their marriage. I just kind of want to be around them. I don't know what it is, but the way that guy talks, I just want to get around him. The, the way that she acts, the way that she acts at work. I don't believe what she believes. I don't really like what she believes, but, but if that's what it is, I'm just drawn into that. That is what God has called us to be, the storefront of the kingdom of God. The fact is that sometimes those windows get dirty. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we don't 
reflect the goodness of God in the way that we should. But let me say this, although the windows may get dirty, the glory never dims. And God's calling us to clean the windows of our lives, to clean the windows so that the world around us would see the goodness of God in our lives. Why? Because God's strategy is a blessing strategy. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, I am all for, and I am the biggest proponent of clear gospel presentation, but I want you to understand in this passage, Jesus doesn't say they will see your neat and tidy, perfectly put together theology and they will be drawn in. He says they're gonna see your good works. They're gonna see the way you love. They're gonna see the way you serve. They're gonna see the way you care for each other. They're gonna see the way when one of you gets sick, the way the rest of the community rallies behind them. They're gonna see the way when someone is, is going through a difficult season, the way the rest of the church comes around them. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How do they glorify the Father? They first have to see our good works, that we do what we say we believe, that we live the way Jesus has called us to live, that, that we would give people a little peep into the kingdom of God. Now, the fact is that we are, the, we are the windows, but Jesus is the door. So when they see you, they may not be interested in the door. They may not be interested in Jesus, but when they start to see the beauty of your life, the way that you live your life, they start going, if that's the way in, I'm entering in through the door because I've got to get into that life. I've got to get into that. And that's what God has called us to be as a church. We're called to be a little community of heaven on earth. That's why when you come in on Sundays, that's why we want greeters at the door. Now let me say this, it's not just that there should be greeters and the rest of us should be unfriendly. If you love Jesus, you should radiate friendliness. Now I know you may take a little time to get filled with the Holy Spirit. But that's the goal. That's the goal, because, we, because we, we've received the goodness of God, we serve each other. We don't serve just because we've got free time on our hands. We serve because Jesus has served us. We invite people, why? Not just because we're on a church marketing campaign, but because Jesus invited us when we were outsiders and distant. This is the practical outworking of the gospel that transforms our lives. And so this is the, the strategy that God has called us to, a blessing strategy. Let me say it this way, a blessing strategy is this, when you see a need, you fill it. When you see a hurt, you heal it. When you see a wrong, you right it. That's who God has called us to be. In the kingdom of God, there is no such thing as a not my job mentality. Have you ever seen that meme of a 
of a road line that there's a branch hanging over the side of the road and they just paint the line all the way around. Why? Because they're the line painting department, not the tree removal department. Have you, anybody ever seen that? Some of, some of you have. In the kingdom of God, there is no people that are in the loving department, in the good works department, and then some other people that are in the sitting department. Come on, okay, I'm sorry. I'll go preach somewhere else. They were all called, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Every single one of us has the potential to change the world. Why? Because we have been blessed so that we can be a blessing. The greatest power in all the world to change the world lives inside of us. And God's purpose has always been to change the world through blessing. And so I want to give you very practically five things, five steps that I believe every one of us can do in order to become a blesser. Five steps to becoming a blesser. I've shared these with you before, but I think it bears repeating. If we want to demonstrate the goodness of God in the world, these are five things. I want to encourage you to write these down. Number one, we need to begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. Some of us would say, well, what does prayer really matter? Well, Jesus actually taught us to pray like this in Matthew 6, 9, and 10. Pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so becoming a blessing in our world starts with praying. Starts with praying for people. It starts with praying for your neighborhood. You see, being a blessing will move beyond prayer. It's, it's more than prayer, but it's certainly not less than prayer. And if you never start with prayer, you'll never end in blessing. It's the key component. When you begin to pray for people, your heart begins to change towards them. When you begin to pray God's goodness upon them, the Bible says this, that when you, sit, when you speak a blessing over someone, God told Moses, if you bless the children of Israel, I'll put my name upon them. In other words, your words have the power to mark someone with blessing or with cursing. So when you walk into your workplace on a Monday morning, in your heart or in your mouth, and you begin to complain about your employer, or you begin to complain about your employees, you are not bringing blessing into your workplace. If you're complaining about your neighbors who are always playing their music too loud or your neighbors that don't fit into your political framework or your moral ethic and you're complaining about them, you are not bringing blessing. You are speaking a curse over them. And one of the greatest things that we can do is to bless people, to bless people, to speak the goodness of God over them. How many of you know you weren't that good until God put his blessing on you? It's the blessing of God. It's the goodness of God that will come upon you and overtake you, the Bible says. So we need to begin to bless our world. I remember when Jennifer and I moved into our neighborhood, we used to do covert prayer walks in our neighborhood. If you have a stroller, you can go anywhere you want with a stroller. That is like a little kingdom tool that they will just let you go anywhere you want if you've got a stroller. 
or you put some earbuds in and you can just make all kinds of declarations in the spirit and say, you know, and people just think you're on a phone call, so they'll let it fly because looking crazy is now normal, right? And so you don't have to worry about that, but we would, we would just walk and we just say, Lord, thank you. We bless. We didn't like, you know, do anything weird towards them. We just said, Lord, we thank you. God, thank you for Tanya. We bless her in Jesus' name. God, thank you for Nikolai. We bless him in Jesus' name. God, thank you for Larry and for Cass. We bless them in Jesus' name. God, thank you for Maria. We bless her in Jesus' name. And here she is today because we were doing some covert stroller operations, just bringing the blessing into the neighborhood, just bringing the kingdom of God. They thought it was just some, a, a whiny baby. It wasn't a whiny baby. It was a, it was a kingdom covert operation. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. God, at the playground, we're just sitting there. I bless the children in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. You're going to save them. You're going to change them. Some world changers, you're going to call them. Holy Spirit, we release you onto the children. Amen? And, and so you can, you can change the world through blessing. The Bible says, or actually not the Bible, but it's in line with the Bible. A guy named A.W. Pink says this, history belongs to the intercessors. What's an intercessor? An intercessor is a person that's just going to stand between God's will and the reality of, of this world and is going to bring that into being. An intercessor is a person that doesn't look at just what things are in the natural and just whine and complain about what's happening in the natural. Uh, an intercessor is a person that says, yes, I see what it is in the natural, but God, I thank you, Lord, that there's nothing too difficult for you. I thank you, God, that you're the one that has the power to break the curse of sickness, that has the power to break the curse of poverty, that has the power to break the curse over this community. And so begin to release a blessing. Here's a little homework operation. Just, just enact a little drive-by blessing operation in your neighborhood. Everywhere you go, when you walk into the cafe tomorrow morning. Now, don't make some religious weird scene, okay? Just in your heart. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with a cup of coffee and I look and I just say, God, thank you for these people. I speak your blessing over them in Jesus' name. I bless this place. I bless this neighborhood. I bless this workplace. And so number one, we, we need to begin with prayer. We need to begin with prayer. Number two is, is starts with an L. Y'all got that this is an acronym? Everybody track it with me, B-L, okay? So number two is listen, is listen. Now sometimes, as we get stirred about what God wants to do, we want to run out and just start telling everybody. And we should speak, but first we need to listen. James says this, that we should be, let every man, notice it says men, be swift to hear, slow to speak. I don't know what that's saying about us men, but... I think it applies to all of us. That was a joke. Some of you caught it. But <laughs> men and women, he says, let us be swift to hear and slow to speak. Have you noticed that God gave you two ears and one mouth? 
Has everybody noticed that? Why? Because we need to listen more than we speak. Jesus was a master listener. He loved to listen to people. He, he, he always took time to sit and to understand people. I love the story of blind Bartimaeus. Jesus is walking down the road, and Bartimaeus is crying out. And Jesus goes to him, and, and, and he says, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Now, we, we could say, well, duh, Jesus, he's blind. He wants to see. But why did Jesus ask him? Because he wanted to dignify Bartimaeus. When you listen to people, you dignify people. Oftentimes, we answer questions that people aren't asking because we don't take the time to listen to them. There's longings in the heart of every single person that are little breadcrumbs that will lead them into life in the kingdom of God. But if we don't listen to them, we can't help lead them into that. Every single person has a longing for acceptance. Every single person has a longing for purpose. Every single person has a, a longing for significance. And so when we begin to listen to people, we will understand the longings of their heart. That's why Alpha is, is so vital to what we do as a church, because it gives us an opportunity to listen to people. To listen to people. When you listen to them, you'll know how to lead them into the kingdom of God. As you begin to listen to them, you'll, you'll know how does the good news of God's kingdom answer the longings of their heart. They're longing for acceptance. What does that sound like? They're, they're, they're having relationship problems. Well, God wants to solve those, but God actually wants to bring them into the reality that regardless of what their relationship status is in the natural, they're loved by God, accepted by God. They don't need to look for another partner or another experience in order to have that affirmation. They've been eternally loved by God. And so we need to listen to people so that we can bring the good news of Jesus into their life, into their story in a way that they can relate to. Number three is this, we need to eat. Amen, amen. That's my personal favorite. We need to eat. Now, I've talked to you before about the power of the table. Then that, unfortunately, throughout history, the table has been pushed further and further away out of spiritual life. And there is, of course, there's times to fast, but there's also times to eat. I, I love what one commentator says about Jesus in the book of Luke. It says that Jesus was, in, in every passage in the book of Luke, he was either at a meal, coming from a meal, or going to a meal. And, and G, anybody, you're like, that's my Jesus. That's my Jesus, yes. But Jesus wasn't just eating by himself. He was always eating with people that are far from God. Why was he doing that? Because the table was a picture of his mission. The table was the place that demonstrated that ministry that, that James talks about, or actually Corinthians, 2 Corinthians talks about, Paul talks about when he says that God has entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. 
the ministry of reconciliation, that God has reconciled the world to himself and he's given you the ministry of reconciliation. Let me bring that into today's vernacular. That means you are a divine connector. Anybody here, you're a connector? You like to make connections? How many of you know if, if you're a connector, you are constantly getting people together to eat, for coffee, for whatever it is? Why? Because that is a picture uh, of that relationship. And when, God, when we bring people to the table, and I, I don't mean just eating together, but really it's about building relationships we are demonstrating to the world the inclusive heart of God. You see, in this, in this time that the Bible was written, to eat with someone meant that you were extending relationship to them. And, and Jesus was constantly criticized for eating with people that were unholy, unworthy, that, that were sinners, like, who else would he eat with, right? And, but he was, why was he doing that? Because he was constantly demonstrating the mission, the invitation to come into the kingdom of God that he came to bring. And so we need to build relationships through eating with people, through taking time to spend time with people. And then number four is this. If we want to become a blesser, number four is this. We need to begin to serve. You see, as you have prayed for people, you will get God's heart for people. As you listen to them, you'll understand the, the needs and the longings that they have. As you eat with them and build a relationship, they're no longer a project for you. They're, they're no longer a person that you're on some sort of recruiting mission for, but, but this is now your friend. This is now somebody that you love, that you care for, that you care about their needs, and that is the place that you can begin to reach out to them, that you can begin to serve them. The Bible says this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, as we have opportunity, listen, let us do good to all. Some people with a misunderstanding of grace, think that grace means that we are excused from any good works. That is not what grace means. Grace is simply the reality that no amount of good works can, can justify me before God. But when I also recognize that God has served me, when I recognize that God has met my needs, when I recognize that God has, has bankrupted heaven in his generous expression of love to me, I will begin to do good to all. Notice how it says, especially those who are of the household of faith. In other words, that's the people that are already a part of the church. Sometimes it's easy to want to serve people on the other side of the world, but to, to neglect the people that are at home. To neglect, sometimes it's more glamorous to go to the other side of the world than it is to like serve in, in, in just some practical, practical way. Some of you are like, you're about to start meddling. Let me, let me say it this way. The gospel turns you into a giver rather than a taker. The gospel turns you into a giver rather than a taker. I love the story of, uh, of Peter and John one day on the way to the temple. 
and they see a lame man on the side of the road and he's, he's begging. And, and Peter says to him, silver and gold we don't have. But then he says this, but such as I have, give I to you. What's he saying? He's saying, you know what? I, I'm not gonna look at what I don't have. I, I, I may not have everything in the natural to meet your needs, but I'm not gonna look at what I don't have. I'm gonna look at what I do have. You see, when you begin to change your perspective, when the gospel begins to shift your perspective from my needs and what I lack and what I don't have to suddenly, God, thank you that, that, that I have been provided for. God, thank you that, that I have been healed in my body. God, thank you that I have the joy of the Lord as my strength. Everything that I need for life and godliness, you've given to me. You will begin to change your perspective from being a taker to being a giver. And that's the posture that every single one of us needs to have that we don't look at. Sure, there's things that we don't have, but God will never call you to, to use what you don't have. But he'll always call you to use what you do have. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians, when you come together, let each one have a psalm, a hymn. Everybody brings something to the table. There are no takers in the kingdom of God. There's givers in the kingdom of God. And so you'll begin to engage every relationship you have, not as a taker. You're no longer at your job only to get your paycheck. You're now at your job because you're looking to bless through that work. You're now at your, in your neighborhood, not just because you found a good deal on a house or a, a low rent. You're now in your neighborhood because you're on a mission from God to bless, to serve, to meet the needs of your community. As we begin to serve, the kingdom of God begins to manifest. That means, practically speaking, that we begin to meet the needs of people around us. You would be amazed at the opportunities there are if you begin to just look for needs around you and begin to meet those needs, serve those needs, fill those needs. I remember when Jen and I moved into our neighborhood, one thing we found was none of our neighbors knew each other. Some of them had lived there for 20 years and they didn't know the neighbor right across the street. There was no sense of community and no sense of belonging. And so we said, well, we're going to start inviting some people over to our house. And we didn't wait for them to come to us. We, we, got, we went over to the Bluebird Bake Shop and bought a bunch of cupcakes, which is like a little piece of heaven with frosting on top, okay? And so we went around and we just gave, we said, we're new to the neighborhood. I know normally it's the other people that come to us, but we're here because we just want to, we, we want to meet you. We want to know you. We just began to try to bless the neighborhood that we were in. When, when you walk into a room, you can just give energy into that room. You can just give a smile into that room. That's a simple expression of serving other people. This week is Valentine's. What if rather than just making your own plans for Valentine's. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but what if you begin to look around and see, is there someone around you that you can bless, that you can, rather than just having your own Valentine's thing, maybe you can give them a Valentine's day. Amen? Yeah. We're, we have a, a movie night outreach coming up. 
And Marjorie, I know I had you stand last week, but you could, could you stand up again just so everybody sees Marjorie right there? Marjorie, let's give, every, let's give Marjorie a round of applause. Marjorie's putting together some movie night outreaches that uh, the first one's coming up on, it's coming up soon. The first one's coming up soon. There's lots of opportunities coming up. And, uh, the, and so we're going out and we're just serving needs. We're going to go provide popcorn for people at movies. Like, how easy is that, right? You don't have to be an evangelist with a PhD in New Testament studies to do that. You just show up, put a smile on your face, and hand out some popcorn. Now, I've told you the story before about the lady in our church in Virginia when during a hurricane that hit that area, uh, power was out, and, and we were able to get a bunch of ice and hand out bags of ice in the community and there was a lady that lived in the neighborhood that had never darkened the doors of the church. She wasn't interested in church, but she came and got a bag of ice. And when she went home, her husband said, what kind of church is this? She said, I don't know. It's the kind of church that gives out free ice in the hurricane. He said, well, that's the kind of church that I want to go to. And they came, uh, and, and I remember just a couple of months later, we had every person that had come uh, to the church had given their life to Jesus threw that bag of ice stand up, and it was about 20 people. It was her, her husband, their children, their family, their friends began to come to Christ through that bag of ice. Never underestimate what God can do through a small act of kindness. Through a small, what, it, what are we doing? We're not just do-gooders. We're demonstrating the kingdom of God on the earth. We're demonstrating the kingdom of God on the earth. I love the story that Tony Campolo told about one night when he was in Hawaii, he had jet lag and he went to a diner at like three in the morning because his body was already awake and he went to this diner and in this diner, the doors burst open and a, a group of girls came in and he was sitting at the counter and they sat on either side of him and these girls were coming in at that night because they had just finished their work, they were prostitutes. And they sat on both sides of him, and they're talking about uh, what, what's been happening in their life. And one of the girls named Agnes said this, uh, tomorrow's my birthday. And, and one of the other girls said, well, what do you want me to do? You want me to, to bake you a cake? Is that what you're saying? Just kind of giving her a hard time. And she said, no, uh, I just, just thought maybe you'd want to know. She said, you don't have to do that for me. Nobody's ever done that for me. And Tony Campolo tells, as he heard that statement. He knew what he had to do. And as soon as the girls left, he went to the, the rough man that owned the diner and he said, hey, does, the, does that group come in here regularly? He said, every morning. And, and he said, uh, the, the one that was sitting next to me, he said, oh yeah, Agnes. And he said, yeah, I heard uh, she said that tomorrow is her birthday. And he said, I'd like to throw her a birthday party. Would it be okay if we decorated this place with, with, with streamers and put on a, a, just a, a birthday party for her? And he said, I'll get a cake. And the guy said, no, you won't get a cake. I'll get the cake. I'll bake the cake. And that next morning is, is that same scene repeated and the girls broke in. They had gathered every prostitute from around that island, all of Agnes's friends, and filled that place for her birthday party. And when she came in, they sang happy birthday. And after they were done, uh, Tony Campolo, being a pastor and not really sure what else to do in an awkward moment, said, let's pray. 
And so he prayed, and when he was done, the, uh, the, the owner of the diner said, what did you say you are? What do you do? He said, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And he said, I could tell you're a pastor from that prayer. I could tell the way you prayed, you're a pastor. He said, what kind of church do you pastor? And he said, the, the thought came to him immediately, I pastor the kind of church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at three in the morning. And the man in the diner, the, the man in the diner said, if that's the kind of church that you pastor, that's the kind of church I want to go to. That's the kind of church that regardless of, of how neat his little gospel presentation was, it would not have opened the door into that man's heart. But it was the birthday cake that demonstrated the kingdom of God. What would begin to happen if we as we're living the Jesus life filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, we've received the goodness of God marking our lives. We are blessed. And what if we begin to overflow in our community to be a blessing? It may not be a, a birthday party for prostitutes. Maybe it is, but maybe it's just cutting your neighbor's grass. Maybe it's just taking care of the kids for the single mom you know that just needs a break. Maybe it's tuning up the car of a friend that may not have the money to take care of those things himself. What is that? It's a demonstration of the kingdom of God. So we need to begin with prayer. We need to listen to the longings of other people. We need to eat with people, build relationships, and we need to serve people. And lastly, we need to story. We need to tell our story. You see, some people ask, is it demonstration or is it proclamation? Is it good news or is it good works? And the answer is yes. As it's been said before, that we are to live in such a way that people will ask, why? Why do you do that? Why did you serve? Why did you give? We have the opportunity to begin to tell them, I serve because I've been served. Uh, let me tell you about the person that served me. I'm generous because someone gave to me. Let me tell you about the person that gave everything to me. I'm friendly, I'm inclusive, I'm loving to other people because when I was an enemy and when I was far off, somebody loved me, pursued me, chased me. They wouldn't let me get away. Let me tell you about that pursuer. Let me tell you about that lover that I've come to know. His name is Jesus. I love the way that the blind man said it in John chapter 9, verse 25, when the religious people began to grill him with a theology test. He said this, I don't know about all of those things, but here's what I know. I know I was blind and now I see. I know that he's a man that healed my eyes. And so I'm going to serve him. I'm going to love him. And when we begin to love people and serve people, we will have the opportunity to share the good news with other people. How do we do that? We just begin to share our story. Like that man said, I was blind and now I see. That's a simple pattern that every single one of us, we don't have to be a preacher. We don't have to be a, 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 a seminary student. We just have to have had an experience of God's goodness in our own lives. I know for some of us, maybe we'd say, well, I love the, the good deeds part, but I'm not really into that good news part. Let me tell you, that's like, turning on the lights in the restaurant, creating all the atmosphere until people begin to press their noses against the window and you never tell them there's a door to get in. 
If we demonstrate the good news of Jesus Christ, the love of God, the, the, the availability of God's kingdom, but we never tell people there is a door in through Jesus, we are doing them a disservice. I had a moment this week that shook me to my core. And it was a, a moment that I recognized again the reality of the importance of the mission that we are on as Jesus said, to seek and save the lost. This week there was a man that passed away that had probably three or four years ago had given his life to Jesus when I gave an opportunity. I was preaching and I gave an opportunity at the end of the service and I said, if you want to receive Jesus into your life, would you just put your hand up? As we do many times here, and I remember that moment. There was no light from heaven shining on him, but I just remember his hand went up. And I thought that's all that it was, but that moment became a life-transforming moment. He changed the way he lived as a husband. Why? Because he had been loved by God. Now he could love his wife. He changed the way he lived as a father. Why? Because he had now a heavenly father that loved him and accepted him so he could love and accept his children. And today, or to, today and this week, that, that man entered into eternity. And I want to remind you today of the importance of the mission that we're on. We're not here just to have nice church services. We're not here just to have a nice Sunday school program, although we want to love and serve every single person that walks in the door, but we're here to see people's lives transformed for eternity, to see people experience the life of God, the kingdom of God here on earth, and to see people, whether they live for a day or whether they live for a hundred years, to know that no matter how good this life is or how bad this life is, that there is always hope beyond this life through Jesus Christ. There's hope for every single person. Amen? I want to ask you, if you would, just to stand to your feet. Worship team, you can come back up. And I want to ask everybody just to hold steady.